Tyler apparently had a particular color pants that he wore. And, you know, as every good story goes, there's the one guy who's, like, willing to ask the question. So there was one chassid who went to, went to the Rapshitzer and asked him, what's pshat, you know, why do you wear this color pants? And uh, the Rapshitzer said, I'll tell you, but in order to tell you, you first have to, uh, you have to fast for three days, and you have to, uh, you have to go to the mikvah a certain amount of times, and you have to finish Sefer Tehillim. And uh, when you've done that, then I'll be able, you'll be in a state where I'll be able to tell you, you know, the, the reason behind it. So the guy says, okay. So he goes and he, he, and he fasts and he goes to the mikvah a whole bunch of times and he, and he, and he says, all will for Tehillim. And he, and he comes back to the rupture. So he says, okay, so I, uh, I did it. I'm ready for you to tell me the, you know, the, 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 the reason behind it. And the rupture says, okay, fine. So let's go. So he takes him. He says, well, I have to, I have to take you to a, a, a very you know, particular place to tell you. So he takes him and they go into this like secret cupboard behind the base medrash or whatever it is. And he takes out a key and he says, okay, so come. We're gonna, and they go to, they go into the forest and they, they, uh, it's a like kidnapping Zev and they, uh, and they, and they, they, they go deep into the forest and they go to this like shed in the middle of the forest and the key opens the shed and they go into the shed. He says, okay, now I can tell you. He says, the reason I wear these pants is because they're the cheapest ones in the market. That's why I wear them. So that's the story about the Rapschitzer. That's the story about the Rapschitzer. So the question is, what is, what's the story about? What does it mean? So I have some thoughts. If anybody has thoughts, they're welcome to share. What was the guy's reaction? <laughs> I don't know. He's probably pretty disappointed, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if he was disappointed, it means that he missed the point. Missed it, yeah. Right, right, right. So the Parsha, the Parsha starts, V'yichuli truma, me'is kol isha ben libo. And I think it has a lot to do with what the, what the Rapshitzer was saying. So, ooh, ah. Hey, I haven't seen you in years. <laughs> Great to see you. Wow. So, uh, so, 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 may ace kolisha shayid benuli bo. So, so, vayikhuli truma. So, if we think about what the Pasuk means, maybe on an internal level. So, vayikhuli truma is speaking to us that we're supposed to take something. Vayikhuli truma. So, we're supposed to take something. We're supposed to take something very, very exalted. Truma. Tarum. Something very exalted, exalted, or something very lofty. We're supposed to take something very lofty. Where is it supposed to come from, that which we're taking? So where is it coming from that which we're taking? It's coming from that which our heart donates. That which the heart is generating. So the heart is generating something. The heart is offering something that we're supposed to, we're supposed to take. That's the truma that we're supposed to take. So there's something that arises, something that emerges, something that comes from within the heart that we're supposed to take. So what does this mean? So there's, there's a really interesting gra. The gra says, I think this is inc- really incredible. The gra says that we, we often think that nevuah, right? The Gemara says in Baba Basra, the Gemara says that nevuah ended, right? Nevuah ended, Chagai Zechariah Malachi. But the Gemara says that nevuah was taken from the Nevi'im, but not from the Chachamim. And it's not entirely clear what that means. And there's different Mepharshim and different Perushim and the Rishonim. The Ramban and the Ritva already like allude a little bit to this idea, but the Gra really elaborates on it. The Rav has a beautiful, a beautiful articulation of this also in, uh, in Abraham's journey. Um, I actually meant to bring it to read, but I forgot. He, has, he, he articulates this beautifully. The Gra says like this, the Gra says that when the time period of Nevuah ended, 
So nevuah, what what, ha, what used to happen in the time when, when there was when there was nevuah, when there was prophecy, what what used to happen? So every every Jew would go to a navi, and the navi would tell each individual person what their shorish neshama was. The navi would tell you, you know, this is what you're supposed to do in your life. This is what your avoda is, and he tell you, this is what you're supposed to. This is your avoda, and each person would be given clearly what their avoda was supposed to be. But the Gras says, and this is the amazing, so, I mean, that's pretty cool, right? But the Gras says now is, this is, the, this is the amazing part. The Gras says that that didn't end. The ability to actually get that information did not end. It was just transferred. It was transferred from the Navi, being able to tell it to you, to being something that you can figure out on your own. It was transferred from what he calls Nevuah into Ruach HaKodesh. And what is Ruach HaKodesh? Ruach HaKodesh is a, is an intuition, a spiritual intuition, a knowledge that a person can have from within themselves. So nevuah is kind of a a, a marev chazon. It's 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 an image. There's a there's some sort of like external information that a person is given through some sort of image of nevuah, whatever exactly that means. Versus ruach hakodesh, which is not some sort of you know, riddle that Hashem gives you or image that Hashem gives you for you to interpret and to understand the nevuah, but it's, it's, a, it's a sense, it's an intuition that a person has from within themselves. And the Gon says, the Vilna Gon says that the, the ability to know what you're supposed to do in life to figure out what the right thing to do is at whatever, whatever juncture you're at, whatever decision you're trying to make, whether it's a, a small particular decision in your life just about that very moment of like, you know, should I take another bite or should I not take another bite? Or it's something bigger of like, is this the right job for me? Or is this not the right job for me? Or where should I live? Or should I go here? Or something more macro or something more micro? Either way the ability to know what's right for me was actually implanted within yourself in what he calls Ruach HaKodesh that comes from within. And I think maybe, maybe that's, that's the idea of that what is the truma that you get? It's that which comes from the heart itself. It's that which comes from the heart itself, not from that thinking mind so much, but from within the heart itself. You know, there's this line it's kind of like a, a, a cliche that, that everything you, you, you need to know in life, you learn in kindergarten. You ever hear that line? Yeah. So I actually think it's really true, pretty much for the most part. There's a lot of like technical skills that we didn't learn in kindergarten, like the complexities of like a particular job or something like that. But actually like the most important things that we need are actually things we learn in kindergarten. Think about what do kids learn in kindergarten, right? Like share, like, you know, play time and nap time, you know, like you need sleep. You need to have your snacks that you're nourished and you're not like angry and hangry and you're not overtired and you need to, you know, not eat too much candy or too much junk and you need to be nice to people and you need to say please and thank you and that you want to, you want to like, you know, have relationships and you want to have friends, like all the very basic things, like don't hit, right? Whatever it might be, like all these really basic things, those are actually the things that like we are struggling with, like every single adult. Those are the things. Right? Like we need more of. We need to be better at sharing. We need to be better at going to sleep and taking naps, right? Like not overeating. Um, like the most basic pushed things, like the simplest things, the things that are the yidbenu libo, the things that come just from like the basic knowledge in the heart, the basic knowledge in the heart. So there's this, the, the idea, the way that, the way at least that I think about it, is the yidbenu libo and the ruach hakodesh that the, that the gra is talking about is is something that, that we all have 
a, a part of us, a part of us that's very, very simple, like incredibly simple, incredibly simple and incredibly knowledgeable of the most basic things, of the most basic things, of the fact that what we actually really want more than anything else is we wanna be accepted, we wanna have relationships, we wanna be close to other people, we wanna feel that we're good enough. We wanna feel that we have value and that we're wanted. Like that's it, it's actually not so complicated. The complicated part is keeping it simple. So it's like complicated to be simple, but it's actually really simple. The, 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 the very same tzaddik, the Rupshitzer, was once asked, I forgot who it was, or Vichemeyer brings this down, that a different tzaddik asked the Rupshitzer, because apparently the Rupshitzer was known for being like a big chacham, like a very, uh, very, very complex person. And so this other tzaddik asked, asked the Rupshitzer, what's, what's the makar in the Torah that you're supposed to be a chacham? Like, I know you, you seem to spend a lot of time being a chacham. What's mehechetesi, that, that, that Hashem wants you to be a chacham? Interesting question, if you actually stop and think about it. Like, where is there a mitzvah to be a chacham? So, so the Rav said, well, there's a mitzvah of tamim tiyem Hashem kacha, that you should be simple with Hashem. To be a tam takes a lot of chachma. That's the maramako, right? That's what he was saying, that it takes, a, it, it takes a lot of wisdom to keep it that simple. But what we're actually trying to do is keep it very simple. Keep it yidvenu libo. Like if I think, I really think this is true. If you stop at any point as to what decision you need to make and you think to yourself, if I imagine a parallel scenario that my own child, my own six-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever it would be, you know, if you're Zohra children or if you're a teacher and you have, or if you have nieces and nephews or whatever it is, if you think about a child in your life and you think, Imagine the parallel scenario for a child and I was giving them advice, what would I tell them? It's probably the exact same advice that you need, that we need, that I need, whatever it is. But we're usually not thinking from that child place. We're usually thinking from an adult place which obscures things and distracts us and creates complications. But really, it's, it's actually very simple. The chachma is to be a tam, but the tam is, is really the ultimate. You know, there's like the, the famous question of like, well, you know, in the Arba Banim, the chacham or the tam. So typically we think the chacham is like the praised one and the tam is, is like just, you know, the, 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 the ignorant or the simple one. I don't know, ignorant, that's the shayna, the elishal, I guess, but just the simple one. But I actually thought like there's a nice, and, and so the chassidim like to say though that the tam is, the, is really the, the praised child of the Arba Banim, right, in, in the Haggadah. It's almost Pesach, yeah? Yaakov so, Ishtam. Yaakov Ishtam, right, exactly. Yaakov Ishtam, right? Right? But I, I, had a, I had a little diuk as a raya for, uh, for the fact that the tam is actually the praised one. Because right by the Arba Banim, it says, Kenegad Arba Banim right? And it has, right before the Arba Banim, we say, Baruch HaMakom, Baruch Hu, Baruch Shana Santor Lamo Yisrael. And then, what's the last one? Baruch, and then Baruch Hu again, I think, right? Baruch HaMakom, Baruch Hu, Baruch Shana Santor Lamo Yisrael, Baruch Hu, right? So those are four, four Baruchs. And then we have the four, the four kids, right? Baruch. So what do you say? Your son's Baruch. Yeah, my son's Baruch, right, exactly. So, so what do you say? And I'm Yaakov, there you go, yeah, yeah. These are very helpful comments. They really add a lot to what I'm trying to say. Yes, thank you, thank you. I'm happy I opened this up as a discussion-based thing, yeah. So the, <laughs> so the, the, uh, the, there we go, it's the late Sonus and Lumbus podcast. Welcome. Here it comes. The, so the so so I think if you think about it, here's just it's just a cute little diuk that I that it came to me a couple of years ago. So the four baruchs are parallel to the four children, yeah, 
I think it makes a lot of sense. Bar HaMakom, Makom is a reference to Hashem as this transcendent being, right? right? The Medrash says. That's why Hashem is called Makom. So which of the sons relates to Hashem as Makom, as the transcendent God? The Chacham, right? The Chacham is the first one. That's parallel to the first Baruch. Then you have Baruch Hu, right? Which is kind of like, you know, a distant relationship. It's not like it's, you know, who, whatever, whoever he is, right? And that's who? That's the Rasha. And then you have Baruch Shanasan Torah Lamo Yisrael. That's clearly the most important of the Baruchs. Which child is that parallel with? The Tom, the third. And then the Shein Yedelishal, again, is, the, is, is Baruch Hu. But the Tom is the one that's connected to the Baruch, Baruch Shanasan Torah Lamo Yisrael. Like that's the one that's really connected to it. You know, Yaakov, Ishtam Yoshev Ohalam. And I think that, and, and that's, that's the that's the Meis Kol Asher Yidvenu Libo that the that the lave itself gives us the knowledge and gives us the information, right? That it's really it's really about slowing down and turning inwards to hear what the inner child within us is saying, and what what perspective would we have? What what advice would we give? What guidance would we give? What decision would we make if we were thinking about this for a child? If Kluger has a uh, has a beautiful. Uh, essay, I don't know what to call it, Maimar, in the Sefer uh, Karval Nafshi, if anybody's uh, had a chance to see. It's an amazing Sefer, which makes it sound like I've learned a lot of it, which I haven't. Uh, the, the, in here, he has, something, he has a Maimar called Maimar HaYeled, yeah? And it's about, about exactly this, the Yeled, Maimar HaYeled. So if I can, I just read, a, I just read two paragraphs, yeah? He says the following, Taos Lachshov, it's a mistake to think it's a mistake to think that the child, that being a child is the part, is, 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 is something in the past. It's a metzius that's only in the past. It's a metzius, a spiritual metzius that actually doesn't change. He says it's a mistake to think it's in the past because actually it doesn't pass. It's enacholefes, it doesn't go away. What happens? That child within us becomes more within us. It becomes deeper inside of us. It's more embedded deeply into us, but it doesn't actually leave us. That the, that the tzaddikim, we find the tzaddikim were mishabayach themselves. What was the praise that they gave themselves? They said, I'm still a child. I'm still just a, a newborn. Odeni neshama terem olam. I'm still like a, like like a neshama that hasn't even come into the world yet. Kol nefesh mechila besolcha hakol, though every nefesh contains within it everything. Gamis matzav hayelad, which means that it contains within it the state of being a child. Shodenu miyachel mitzapa lichiosis apnimis apnimis atahora. The child within us is the part of us that desires purity. Shadayin bomesa, and it hasn't gone away yet. It hasn't gone away. That, and, and what he develops here further is that, is that the, the importance, it's called Maimar Hayelet because it's all about finding this, this inner part of us that's really still a child, that's really still, still connected to us and actually has all the information we need, we need to know, all the information we need to have. It's, uh, it's really interesting in, in, in a lot of the, the therapy work that I do. There's, a, there's an approach within therapy called parts, parts therapy. Yeah, um, there's some fancier terms for it, whatever, but, but essentially it's called parts therapy. The idea of parts therapy is that we each have parts of us 
We each have different developmental parts of us. So we have parts of us that are still alive within our psyche, within our consciousness, within our being, of much, much younger parts of us. We have the, 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 the very young part of us. We have four-year-old parts of us. We have six-year-old parts of us, 10-year-old parts of us. We have teenage parts of us. And, and really healing from a lot of different, different challenges that we, that we all struggle with and really growing and developing into the people that we want to be is about creating an inner dialogue and an inner conversation between the, the current adult part of us that is present and the, in, the inner younger parts of us, to hear them speaking, to hear the asher yidvenu libo, to hear the maimar hayeled, right? To allow that to come up into our consciousness and that actually those parts of us have a lot to say. And those parts of us in, in so many ways have, have more to say that, that really is actually important for us than the, than the adult part of us. There's, there's a, a theory within psychology that really forms the basis of, of this book that I wrote called Attachment Theory. And hence the name Attached as a play on Attachment Theory and Dvekos. Yeah, so Attachment Theory started out as being a theory about childhood, about children's development. And the basic idea of Attachment Theory was that people thought that a child's basic needs were food, shelter, warmth, safety, etc., right? And that the relationships that a child had, the attachments that a child had to a parent or to a caregiver were a means towards those ends. So the, the child would, would cling and seek out relationship with adult caregivers because they needed those services, quote unquote. Yeah, they needed those products. They needed, they needed food, shelter, warmth, clothing, etc. They needed safety. And the adult caregiver could provide that. What a series of studies showed in a variety of ways is that that's actually really not the case. Yes, the child needs all those things, but the child seeks out relationship simply for the relationship. A child needs relationship because it needs relationship. Attachment for the sake of attachment. And they showed this in a variety of ways, that the, the most essential need, as much as any of those physical basic needs, is actually just the experience of being in the companionship, in the connection with another person. That another person sees me, wants me to be here, cares about me, accepts me, loves me, and desires and values me. And that that is just as much of a basic and essential need that the child is looking for as food, literally as essential. So all of that started out as a child development theory about children. But what they then began to show is that nothing about that changes from the time a person is four to the time a person is 20 to 40 to 60 to 80. That doesn't change at all. It doesn't, it doesn't change. It's, for, it's, it's as John Bowlby, the founder of Attachment Theory, put it, the need for attachment is from cradle to grave. It doesn't change. The only thing that changes about it is where a person looks to receive that from. So it transfers over from the, the desire to receive that attachment from an adult caregiver into a romantic spouse, into a romantic relationship, into a peer relationship as opposed to a kind of hierarchical or parental relationship. That's the only thing that changes. But the basic need for attachment doesn't change. And so the basic driving force of what animates and motivates and provides the value and the meaning of a person's life when they're 55 years old isn't any different from when they're five years old. 
we need connection. We need attachment. I just spent the afternoon with my grandmother who lives in Riverdale. She should be, should be well and healthy. And she, she, she's, can I know her? She's, she's really older at this point. And uh, I don't know if anyone had her in YU back in the day as a Hebrew teacher. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the truth is, you know, I spent a, a nice amount of time with her today. It's not, it's not simple. It's not Pashut. Like being, being that, that age and she's alone. She, you know, she's, she's alone and it's really, really hard. That, and that's the biggest struggle of the whole thing. She, you know, being, being older, there's a lot of physical aches that go on. It's not simple. You know, I had to hold her hand to walk from the car into Corner Cafe in Riverdale and hold, you know, it's, and help her get, sit down in the car and do the seatbelt for her. And that's challenging, but that, but that's nothing. She was actually really being pretty open with me. It was, it was actually really interesting. She was really describing to me the challenge of the loneliness of it. Not, the, the physical aches and pains and challenges and, and all that is, is nothing. It's nothing. It's just the lack of connection with other people. That's really the whole thing. And she could be, I don't know if she's in her late 80s or, or, in, or I, I think in her late 80s. That, that's not different if she was 8 years old or 88 years old. It doesn't change at all. The basic need of what actually our life is about is, is, is really just the basic need of a child. It's the child's need. And the Ruach HaKodesh that the Gra is talking about, I think really comes from tuning inwards to hearing that child, to hearing the lave, that Shayid Venelibo. The complexity, as the Rapshitzer said, so just to, to round this out and come full circle, the complexity that the Rapshitzer was, was, was saying is, is, is to be able to work through all the things in our lives that make us think that it's not about that. That's the Avoda. The avoda is to figure out a way to not get tricked into thinking it's about something else when really the only thing it's about is the same thing we wanted since the moment we were born, which is that connection. And really, ultimately, that connection comes from other people, but also comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's really, that's really dveikus. That's, you know, more to talk about another time. But it's really focusing on that, focusing on the basic needs that a child, that a child really brings up. And... And I think maybe, so, so going back to the story that I started with, so maybe that's what the story is about. Because what the Rapshitzer, which I think is interesting, because it's, it's the Rapshitzer who told us that idea that the Mar Makom for, for Chachma as being a value in the Torah is that the Chachma is to arrive at Tmimus. Right? The only value of Chachma is the Chachma takes to get back to being a Tam. And that's Mamish the story. Yeah? That's Mamish, the story of the Rapshitzer with this guy. Why, why are you wearing these this bizarre color pants? So he makes up a whole chachma about it. This whole complex thing of, you know, all these, you know, tanesim and sigufim and tehillim and mikvah and, and fasting. And then we have to go get a secret key and go into the forest, into a shed and the whole thing. And then at the end of the day, the answer is the most pasha thing in the world. It's just the most pasha thing. It's just because they were cheap. Right. But it's a whole chachma to get there. Because that's really the avoda. The avoda is the chachma it takes to get back to being the most, to get back to being the most pashat thing in the world, right? It's like Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman talks over and over and over again about, about simple, right? Simple, simple. But Rabbi Nachman was not a simple person. He was an incredibly complex person. But it's the complexity to arrive back at simplicity. You know, it's interesting in like in, 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 in the Gemara and especially in the Zohar, you find so many times this hahu yanuka, yeah? Like the child, hahu yanuka. That the yanuka carried like these deep, these deep secrets, but it was a child. The child had the deepest secrets. And, uh, and, and, and in this week's Parsha too, the Kruvim, the Kruvim are, are arguably the holiest 
space, yeah, in, in the entire world. In the Kodesh Kedashim, right on top of the Aron, housing the Luchos, and what did the Kruvim look like? So according to, you know, the most, the, the, the most well-known opinion within in the Gemara, what did the Kruvim look like? Children, the faces of children. The, the Kodesh Kedashim, the holiest place in the world, the, the, the source, the access we have to the ultimate truth of what we actually need is, is the perspective that the child brings. It's, it's the idea that everything we need to know in life, we actually learn in kindergarten. What we have to do is, is, is get back there somehow. And that takes, that, that's not so simple. That's not so simple. But ultimately, it's, uh, it's, it's doing all that work to get to that secret shed in the forest to realize that, that all we've, we've ever wanted is the exact same thing that we've always ever wanted. And to just be able to hold on to that. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. As a therapist, when you face with, they say this is your philosophy of the simplicity, but the reality is that the simplicity of the child doesn't exist when you're when you in, in terms of life. So the I would imagine that when you're a therapist, you have to deal with practicality. So if there, there are issues you have to say. How what practical application can I suggest to this patient to help them? But they still have to do carpool. They still have to do <laughs> washing. They still have to do shopping. All that. So where the child is not. So as Aubrey will say, there's the innocent element of the child, but the practicality of living as an adult is obviously what impinges on that. Yeah, but that's true. But I think that's still, at least I think, you know, I mean, every particular situation would play out practically a little bit differently. So it's hard to say in like a generic way. But I think that even within like the adult responsibilities, the way that we, when we navigate those, those responsibilities well versus when we don't navigate them well, is if we is is that when we if we kept to the values and the guidelines that we give to our very own children we would also and we we gave those guidelines to ourselves for our responsibilities we would probably navigate our responsibilities a lot better you know i mean i don't know how how mockbed am i on my my kids bedtime versus how mockbed am i on my own bedtime you know but i would navigate my own responsibilities a lot better <laughs> right i mean I, I think that I think that by and large it's really true. Like if if we would just take the same guidelines and and apply it to our situation, we would we'd probably I think so many of the ways that those responsibilities get out of hand, you know, you know we don't we you know we wouldn't let our child take on too many things at once. How many times do I take on too many things at once, and then it spirals out of control, right? It's the same guidelines just being applied to a, a, a different set of circumstance. But if we actually applied those those guidelines, it wouldn't, it wouldn't get so out of hand. It wouldn't get so complex, you know, maybe. I mean, every situation is different, but I think, I think in a general sense, I think that's true. Maybe. Do you have any practical advice on how to turn the complexities of life into a more simple way? Aside from asking yourself, like... If it's good to account the appointment, if you need <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think really like the, pra- the, practical, the practical advice I would give, at least from like the perspective I'm talking about right now, would be to really try and actually think about, to think about what you would tell a child and like apply that to yourself. I think. I think, you're, I think it's really practical, you know? And then, and, then, and then the idea of the grow, which is like really, really trying to have a felt sense what the Gra actually says is really amazing. What the Gra says is on the Pasuk of Rabos Machshavos Belev Ish, 
Ve'atzas Hashem hisakum. Yeah? So the Pasuk, the Pasuk we say, in, you know, we say every morning, Yehichavod, Rabos machshavos belavish v'atzas Hashem hisakum. So the way that the Gra reads it is amazing. The Gra says that, that what it means is a person has many, many thoughts. Rabos machshavos belavish. A person has a lot of thoughts. Should I do this? Should I do that? I think, you know, a whole bunch of different things. What he says is within all those different thoughts, atzas Hashem hisakum. There's one of those thoughts that won't just feel like another machshava. He's medayik, the difference between machshava and, and atzas in an etza. It won't just feel like another machshava, another thought that, that's going through my mind, but atzas Hashem hisakum. Within this assortment of thoughts, within this swirl and whirlwind of all these different thoughts that go on in our minds all the time, when I'm thinking about a decision, I'm thinking about what to do, there's going to be one that will stand out. He sucking will stand out. And what's that one? The Atzas Hashem. There's, if, if we actually slow down and, and, and tune in to a intuition, a spiritual intuition, a Ruach HaKodesh, this sense that we, we can find within this assortment of thoughts that there's one of them that actually feels different and it feels like a guide, not just another thought. It actually pulls us. But... I don't know, at least I can say for myself, so often I overpower this intuition of what's right with, rational, with, my, with my rationalizations of what I've come up that I should do. Like, like some of my, my worst decisions are situations that I look back and the reason I'm so upset about it is because I actually knew it was the wrong decision in my gut, but I had all these rationalizations as to why to, why to go in a different direction than what I, what I, what I sensed was the right thing to do. And I was able to rationalize it, you know, away into a different direction, right? So what the Gra is saying is that if we really pay attention inside, which requires slowing down and it requires turning inwards, we can actually pick up on something within us that is, that's an internal guide and it's actually a Ruach HaKodesh that, that, we, that, that exists within us. It's actually, I said this last night, I apologize for repeating, but it's, it's, it's like uh, we, we say in, 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 in davening in the morning, it's from Tehillim, we say, uh, Right? So all the, the, the gods of the, of the other nations are, are idols, but Hashem created, created Shemaim, created heavens. So when we say that, the Siddur tells us that we should stop a little bit in between because we want to slur the words to make it sound like we're grouping Hashem together with, with the foreign gods, with the idols, Yeah. But I think that maybe it's more than just the idea of not slurring the words. I think the idea is because what it's, really, what it's really hinting to us, what it's really telling us is that the way in life that you can separate between the things in your life that are the Elilim, that are the, the foreign gods, and the things that are actually Vashem Shemayim Asa, how do you create the knowledge of which is which and you create that separation is when you, is when you pause, when you slow down, is creating that pause. The pause is what creates the distinction and the clarity of which is which. And there's an intuition that, that we have. The, the Kuzari talks about this. The, the Yehuda Levi talks about how the same way that Hashem created us, Beteva, with a, with a ability to perceive external objects. So my body is created in a way that I have the ability to perceive this cup in front of me. We also have within us a, a apparatus, if you will, of a spiritual perception. It's within us, like it's a natural inborn thing. Like Navua didn't end, it just shifted. It shifted from being something external to us with Nevi'im to being Ruach HaKodesh that exists within. That's what the Gra is saying. And we can actually tune into that. 
we can actually listen to that and it can come up. And that's the, that's the me'es kolisha shayid ben alivo that can come up. So I don't know if that counts as practical or not. Yeah, I think it's practical. Practical number one is, is, the, is actually imagining the scenario that you're dealing with and imagining the parallel for a child and what would the advice be to a child? How would you parent your own child? Or what would you tell you know, a student? Or what would you, how would you go about this with a child? What would the principle be from kindergarten? And how would that apply here? 99% of the time, if not 100% of the time, it'll probably be the best, it'll probably be the best advice. What would be the right thing to do for a child in this scenario? And number two, number two is the recognition that there is, that there is, that, that there's an inner voice that actually intuitively, if we listen for it, guides us that can feel different. How do you know it? It just feels different. There's machshavos, rabos, machshavos, blavish, but then there's, there's one voice that's going to sound and feel different. That's the atzas Hashem Hisakum, which takes the slowing down, the pause between the kikol elohim haimim elilim versus the Hashem Shemayim Asa. It's also the crew is the only person who knows that um, he's for sure where he's supposed to be. He's for sure doing what he's supposed to be doing, which is the childlike innocence. Mm, wow. But it, t- it takes, I think it, it takes a lot of, um, this is what the Rapshatur was saying, that it takes complexity to be simple, because I don't think it's so easy to, 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 to embrace this. Because I think that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel sometimes very adult-like. And like, it's not, it's not, like, you know, if you think about, like, your, your whole, like, educational life, like, in school. So, like, up until third grade-ish, maybe, or second grade, or I don't even, even, maybe even less than that. Like, your whole day was filled with, like, projects and coloring and arts and crafts and all this kind of, like, stuff, right? All this just, like, natural expression stuff. And then, like, after that, it switches completely. And, like, you never do arts and crafts again for the rest of your life, right? And it switches into just, like, this academic thing with tests and studying and information, and analysis and remembering and organization and all that kind of stuff, right? It's like a complete shift. Like we go from one extreme to the other when actually we, we really need both in our lives. We need like the holistic in- integration of both parts of our brain, of our brain and our heart or our right side and left sides of our brain. But for whatever reason, unfortunately, the, the way the educational system has developed is we actually, we, we, we focus, you know, that part of us, that intuitive part of us, the creative part of us, the expressive part of us, that childlike part of us that comes up, that that's like only until kindergarten. And then after that, it's like completely left behind. And like, we never do it again. Like, when's the last time that like, you know, a Gemara Rebbe asked like the class in 10th grade to like draw a picture, you know? But like, that'd be like, draw a picture about how you're feeling after we learned this sugya. Like, that'd be awesome. That'd be so good. Like, Rebbeim should do that. That would be incredible. Game changing. You know, like the Rav, the Rav, I heard him say in a, in a, in a recording of a show I was listening to once, he said, when you learn the Chumash, you have to ask yourself when you read a Pasuk, what mood does this Pasuk put me in? You know, like that's a totally different way. What mood, that's the, that's the Asher Yudvenu Libo, like your heart. What mood does this Pasuk put me in when I read the Pasuk? Instead of like, why did it say this word instead of that word? I'm like, what mood did it put me in? You know, or I was like, I've never met this Rabbi Ruvain Bashnak before but I was in YU today, so we sat together for a little bit. We kind of like became friends in like two seconds and we sat for a while together. He seems awesome. Uh, so he, he was saying to me, like it's a very similar point to what I'm talking about now. He said, he said to me, uh, he's also like into the Hasidus uh, psychology stuff. I think he also has a private practice. He, he, he said to me, you know, when I, when I used to go on meditation retreats and I would finish a meditation, 
the question that like, you know, your peers, your friends, whatever would ask you and you would come out of the meditation is like, so what came up for you? It's like, when's the last time you finished davening and your friend said to you, so what came up for you? Right? But like, that's what davening should be. What came up for you? Not what did you think about? Like what came up for you? Right? That's yidvenu libo. What did your heart give you? What did your heart donate to you? Yidvenu libo. It's your heart is just going to intuitively bring something up and then actually paying attention to it. You know? Like something we think we're spacing out, but the spacing out is actually just, it's, it's something that came up. So what came up? Where did it take you? Go follow it. You know, what, what, all, all the contemporary therapies that are like the most like cutting edge modalities of therapies are, are all about kind of trying to get into this intuitive space of allowing something to just come up instead of trying to intentionally craft something or arrive at a, a certain destination. It's just a yidvenu libo. It's like the tagline of like EMDR or, some, or somatic experience and some of these like really, you know, the big therapies now is what came up for you and then, okay, and go with it. It's also like all the Balshemto, everything the Balshemto says about Tefillah. Yeah. Like Makshava Zaros. exactly. You have the Mal Makshava Zaros, right? And it's Bodidus and what comes up and what comes up and what's coming up for you and then go with it and go with it. Exactly. And that's what Kluger's saying is that the child part of you didn't end in, in, in first grade when the teacher got rid of the art supplies in the classroom. Like it shouldn't have. We shouldn't have gotten rid of the art supplies in the classroom. Like it didn't end in first grade. There's still the child part. And the child part actually knows, in some ways, knows so much more than the adult part. And then ultimately, it's really not one over the other. Ultimately, it's about, it's about, the, it's about the dialogue. It's about both. That's, we're almost at Pesach. That's Sipri Yetzirah Mitzrayim. He got it to Levincha. He got it to Levincha. The adult has to, tell over, has to tell over the story to the Ben. And the Ben is the inner child. And the Kenegeda Arba Banim, the Bratorets, the different children within. And so it's, it's this conversation that, that, that needs to exist, is to facilitate, we, that we need to facilitate. But, but again, like I was just saying before, like it's not so easy because I think that there's something about it that can feel very uncomfortable for most of us. Like we've been, we've been programmed to, to feel comfortable in an intellectualized way of thinking about things, of decisions. Of like, I can, I can show you the pros and cons. I can explain to you why this is the right thing to do if that's the right thing to do. I can map it out. Like we... We feel more comfortable in that space as opposed to, well, I'm doing this because this is what, like, this is what feels right to me, you know? This is what seems people, right. I, I mean, it's obvious. There are some people, like, who this is more natural yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was just reflecting, like, a certain, like, administrator, like, every time I talk to them, they're just like, everything's like, they don't get it. Like, most people just get so caught up with this or that and this detail. And they're just like, yeah, it's like, what I like, I'm like, I guess, like, Speaking to those types of people also is like very helpful. It's very refreshing. Yeah. At least I find it's very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like talking to Ari Murzov is very refreshing. Okay. It's just like simple, you know? Just natural. Comes up. (laughs) Does this conflict with structure? I don't know. Do children need structure? I'm saying our, our, our lives are structured. Right. No, I'm saying I'm, I meant that like sarcastically, meaning like children need structure. So Pasha, I think so. I know. So. So uh, I don't think so. I think it is struck. I think it's structure. I mean, the more structure you have, the more simplicity it has to your life. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. You don't function. Most people, men especially, don't function without structure. That's the major benefit to having like a nine to five and a home, Seder, whatever it is. You don't do it. Most people's minds are just like go crazy. Yeah. It's a lot easier during the advanced moment to like lose yourself. You mm-hmm. 
So it was in the structure that you can find the tree, the, the latitude? I the think chachma, so, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The, chachma, the, chachma. the chachma brings you back to the same When Purim is coming up, right, and you have a family, you're not going to start bringing it late. Oh, you wait and see. If you're not jakey, now you're bringing a nate, and then like the rest of your day is like all over the place. It's heavier, even though yeah. it might be permanent for most people. But, like, you're a structured. I want to get this to the, you know, yeah. make it as efficient as possible. But if you know what you're doing, then it's just simple and it's easy. You know, the there. Yeah, yeah. Children, children are at their best in routine, and so are adults for the most part. You know, there, there. I think there are sometimes, you know, certain maybe like. You know, it's interesting. There's um, there's this book. What's it called? There's a guy Mason Curry wrote a book. I'm forgetting what it's called now. But what he does is he goes through all the most like influential, brilliant, creative people throughout history. You know, people that you would think are. Like very original thinkers, you know, and people in the arts also, not just like philosophers, but people in the arts, you know, musicians and artists and all that. People who you would think would probably have like erratic schedules, you know, like with just the creative type of soul and all that. And he actually goes through each one of them and he, I guess, like researched like diaries and history and whatever. And he shows that they were actually the most structured people. You know, like Beethoven, I forgot who was, who was what, but like Beethoven had like coffee with the exact amount of beans at the exact time every day, you know, and like Immanuel Kant went for a walk every day at the exact same time for the exact same amount of time. Like, and he goes through these people who had these incredibly creative minds and the amount of structure that they had in their life. Because I think like Yehuda is saying, it's like when you have the structure so now your mind can actually be focused on the creativity of something new, as opposed to if I don't have structure, then I'm, my, so much of my, my energy is actually being taken up by just like keeping things in order because there's no order here, right? And again, I go back to my point of like, everything you need to know, you, you learned in kindergarten. So you think about how would you raise a child? Should we give children structure? If we gave ourselves the same structure we try and give children, we'd all be, we'd all be functioning at such a higher capacity. I think. It's great to see you. <laughs> so good to see you. <laughs> Especially with that beard and pace. Wow. <laughs> okay, Shkayach. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Talk about structure. You have a serious structure. Structure a couple days ago. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just nigging. Nigging? Yeah. Awesome.